0: What is up, uh, Victory Hamilton Mill? How's 11 a.m. doing today? It's good to see you guys. Happy November. Come on, somebody. My goodness, here we go. Downhill slide, people. I, I just want to say welcome to everyone. I want to say some special welcomes here. Welcome everybody in the room. If you're a first-time guest, we pray when you leave feeling like family. Somebody say family. I want to say welcome to all those watching online. Our online numbers keep growing, and i got to give a special shout out. I'm looking at you in the camera. Downstairs, our 6th and 7th graders are watching this message today. Come on, can we give it up for all those who are watching? We love us some 6th and 7th graders. Why are we doing this with uh, 6th and 7th? Because the message is so important that our students need to hear it too. Amen. So I'm super honored to bring the word. If you have your Bible, I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter seven. And while you're turning there, I just want to echo what Pastor Russ said, fellas. Do whatever you got to do to join me this weekend at our men's conference. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be life changing. Invest in your walk with Christ and watch what God does in your life. Amen. Well, hey, we have been on this beautiful journey. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's been incredible. Started back in February. Here we are, as I said, with November, the downhill slide. We're almost through this thing. It's been incredible. And I'm not going to review for the sake of time, but I would just encourage you, go back and watch the messages from last week with Pastor Johnson, Pastor John Bevere, a couple that I did before that. They've been so good. I'm still recovering from Pastor John Bevere's message, so on the all of God. It's all there online. You can watch it on our YouTube Victory Hamilton Mill page. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture there in Matthew 7. Look down at verse 21. I'm going to read it in just a moment, but today, somebody say today, we're going to be diving in a passage of Scripture that I'm just going to be real with you. This is the ones that keeps pastors up at night. and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. We're going to look at one of the most sobering verses in Scripture, in all of the Bible, specifically in the New Testament. And It wasn't said by a prophet, and it wasn't said by a disciple, though Matthew was the one who documented this sermon that Jesus preached. It actually came from Jesus' mouth. And it might sound harsh, but it's the reality of love that He has for each and every one of us. And that's what we're gonna look at today. And here's here's what I want to see happen today at the end of this message. And then we're gonna go back into worship and celebrate our Savior and baptisms. Here's, here's what I wanna say is that by the time that I'm done speaking today, here's our prayer is that every one of us have an assurance right here on the screen. That you know God, come on, and God knows you. That every single person, those watching us online, the 6th and 7th graders downstairs in their room, and everyone in this room, that we all leave knowing those two things. Please keep that on the screen for just a second. That you know God, and most importantly, God knows you. And so I want to answer, as we read through these three scriptures here, I want to answer the most important question you will ever ask. Maybe you've never asked it or maybe you've thought it, but here's the question and here's what I would encourage you to take notes on. How can I know I'm saved? How can I know? Or as my old professor used to say, how can I know that I know that I know that I'm saved? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, for these few precious moments we have, would you help me speak? We love you, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Are you there? Matthew chapter 7. Look down at verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, right here on the screens. Jesus says this. It's in red. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, notice the exclamation points, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually, somebody say actually, Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And let me just pause so somebody's like, okay, what's the will of the Father? I need to know. What's the will? We're going to get there. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven, where's God? He's in heaven, will enter. Verse 22. On judgment day, many, somebody say many. many. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, there it is again. We prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. A bunch of incredible biblical acts, what they're saying. Gifts of the Spirit, all those things are happening right here, what they're saying. But I reply, verse 23, but I will reply, Jesus says, I never knew you. Not, I used to know you, not where you've been, I never knew you. And then he says, get away from me, you who break God's laws. There is coming a day, somebody say a day. There is coming a day where every one of us will stand before Jesus. My mom and dad won't be there at that moment. The spotlight will be on me. You put yourself there. My wife, my best friend won't be there beside me. It will just be me with Jesus before the throne of God, and I will have to give an account, and you and I, we will have to give an account for the life that we have lived. And we, somebody say we, and we are all going to hear one of two things. The first one is, depart from me, I never knew you. And then the second one is, and come on somebody, this is what I want to hear, hello. Well done, good and faithful servant. Any, got any well done people in the room today. Come on. That's what I want to hear from my Savior. Now this, also this is just me, but I, I just believe he's going to do this. After the well done, then he's going to say, now get over here let me give you a hug. And just give me a big hug and I can tell you I'm just going to fall in his arms. But those are the one or two things that every single soul of all time before the spotlight of God and his throne that we're going to hear. We've got to recognize this and and understand the severity of these verses. What it it puts on me is a fear of God. That there is coming a day, and church, I want to tell you, I believe it sooner than later. There is coming a day where each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ where our eternal destination is based on, listen to this, on who you know. Not what you did, not what you say, but who you know. Say that with me. Who you know. It's, it's based on who you know. It's all about relationship. Who you know. Jesus said, depart from me. I, I didn't know you. I don't know you. And Jesus says, many are going to say this. Many, I'm just looking through the scripture here. If you still got it open in your phone or in your Bible, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And what, I don't know what strikes you about these three verses, but what, what has just struck me all weekend is that they use the word Lord. Lord, Lord. You don't just say Lord. A lot of people say God. A lot of people might say Jesus, but they, but they said Lord. Somebody say Lord. And it reminds me of when Peter, who was Simon at the time, before he was Peter, when he first encountered Jesus. Do you remember the story that Jesus, uh, they've been fishing all night, right? And, and Jesus he comes upon them and asks them if they call anything. They haven't called anything. They're frustrated, super frustrated, because this was their business. And he tells them to throw out the nets one more time. And reluctantly, they do it. And I mean, it's a supernatural catch. And the Bible tells us that Jesus jumps out of the boat and literally heads to Jesus. And he falls on his knees and he says, Lord, I'm such a sinner. And so when you use the word Lord, there, there, there is a, a, what you would feel for me, my terminology, there, there should be an intimacy there, a, a recognition, Lord, Lord. And so they, they, many, many will say, Lord, Lord. So it's the language. Think about that. Many will say, Lord, Lord, we, we did all these things for you. And Jesus will sadly respond, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. They, they did all these powerful biblical acts, uh, casting out demons that still can happen today, um, getting people healed and delivered, uh, the spiritual gifts of prophecy, and, and all the things that, that they point out that they did, miracles, the spiritual All these things are real. They're biblical acts that the church that we as Christians should be operating in today, and yet they said the right things and they did the right things, but they did not know Jesus. Let me, to you, let me say it to you like this right here. It's not what you say or do, it's who you know. It's not what you say, somebody say say, say. or what you do, somebody say do, it's who you know. It's all about relationship. It's, it's who you know. Now, let me just, let me kind of give you an example to connect this uh, personally for all of us. And maybe maybe uh, there's been people in the room that have experienced what I have recently, so, I don't know if y'all have experienced the newest, I'll call it the newest salesman pitch. And, and if you're a salesman, God bless you. Here's what I would just say do everything with integrity before the Lord. And there's this new pitch I've seen over the last year and a half. The sales, uh, the way they come at you is different now. And so, this just happened to me because I opened the door. I never, at least, don't open the door. Hey. <laughs> and, uh, and so. I, anyway, and so I opened the door, and they immediately called me by name. Hello, Mr. Frith. I'm like, well, well he- hello, hey, hey. I was just talking to the Johnsons up the road, did some work for them. I'm like, Johnsons, Johnsons, suit. you know, just thinking. And, and uh, just did a little repair work, and, and they, they recommended us to come down here, downhill. We live a little bit down on the hill at a cul-de-sac. And, and they said, please go see our friends, the Friths, down the hill. The whole time I'm like, Johnsons, Johnsons, who are, I don't, I don't know anybody, the Johnsons. And, I, and, and they're like, yeah, and, and he can see, you know, this has happened several times. First time they did it, it was just the house up the, up the street. And then it was like the house over on the other street, you know, and I was, and, I, and, and I'm like, Johnsons. He's like, you know, the Johnsons. And, and I finally just said, I don't know the Johnsons, and I don't know you. He's talking to me like he knows me. I wanted to say, depart from me, but i uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I kept the conversation going because I got a major, major strong mercy gift. Lisa's like, shut the door, end the conversation. I can see her through the windows. Got it, get! Yes. You don't want it. That really happens. <laughs> I'm not making it up. And, and but I, here's what I'm gonna do. If they're gonna get my audience, I'm gonna at least talk to them about Jesus somehow, some way in that conversation. But here's the deal. The salesman comes up to me. So again, if you're a salesman, please take no offense. Just do everything with integrity before the Lord, all right, as we all should do. Amen. And, and the salesman, they come up very confident. Uh, they, they, they approach my name. They use my name. One time someone said, Chris. And I was like, oh, you know. And, and they're commenting on, on our landscaping. And they're commenting on the house. And one time my son Grant, he just happened, this happened with a, a salesperson. He comes up the door, he's like, who is it, Dad? And, uh, and G- Grant was wearing a Jesus Freak t-shirt. And the guy said, oh, Jesus Freak. I'm a Jesus Freak too. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. And so all these things to connect, to use my name, to use the neighbors that don't exist name, all these things to get away, somebody say way, to get away into my wallet. And that brings me back to, I'm I'm trying to help us understand this, back to Matthew 7 where last week was about false prophets that will try to get you off the path. They'll try to make the path wide. Today we're talking about false disciples. False disciples. That's people who think they're on the narrow path but they're really not. They say and do all the right things. Listen, they they look the part, people who think they are saved, but they're really not. And Jesus will say, who are you? I don't know you. And, and I can see people. I can see all kinds of mixtures of emotions. Jesus, you know me. You know me. I was at church every time the doors were open. I can see all those things. Jesus, you know me. We know each other. All those emotions and all the things that would happen. Lord, Lord, you, Lord, we did all these things. And Jesus responds sadly with a grieving heart. I do not know you. You can't enter. Depart from me. And this is why this passage of Scripture, above all others, for me personally, I'm just speaking for myself, I can't speak for every pastor, Uh, this is why this this verse keeps me up at night, and it's because this, I fear that there will be people, I, I, I can't hold things accountable. I'm not a steward of all of Big Big V, what I call Big V, all of Victory Church. God's called Lisa and I to be the stewards here, the pastors here at this campus. And I, I fear, and I pray not, but I fear that there will be people from Victory Hamilton Mill who attend here, who might be members here, who possibly said the sinner's prayer one time, maybe got baptized here, Maybe tithe here, serve here. I could go on and go on. And yet, on that day, they will stand before Jesus, and Jesus will say, I don't know you. And church, that's what brings me to what you hear me address a lot almost in every message. I'll say it in some form or fashion. That brings us to the danger of religion. And let me just say this. You will hear me say this a lot on this platform. Jesus did not come to the earth and die on a cross for religion. Jesus came because the Father said, I want relationship. There was a gap between us, all the people of the world, and our Father, our Heavenly Father, and the gap was sin. There was a separation, and He sent His only Son, and the sins, my sins, your sins, the world's sins, was put placed on Jesus so that we could have relationships. Somebody say relationship with our Father, and we can have a relationship with Jesus. Religion, that's the danger of religion. Religion is, is, is recognizing that it's looking the part, come on, saying the correct Christian terminology, doing your quote-unquote Christian duty, so it's it's the, it's the Christian part. It's playing the part. Christian terminology, Christian duty. Uh, okay, this is what we do. But listen, but not personally knowing Christ. So we're, we're, we're doing all the Christian things, quote-unquote, but we personally do not know Christ. And my good friend, Pastor Moe, over at Midtown, as we were talking this out this week and praying, he said this, and I wrote it down as fast as I could. He said, the trap of the devil... Is to get you to accept being religious so that you will forfeit relationship. Leave that on there for a second. The trap of the devil is to get you to accept being religious so that you forfeit relationship. It's all about relationship. Relationship with Christ is the key. That's the whole no, I don't know you, or I know you. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Son, daughter, I know you. And it's all based on not what you said, what you did. It's on who you know. Relationship with Christ is the key. Somebody say key. Do y'all, do y'all remember? Let me give you one example. If you're taking notes, write this down. Go look at the whole story later. We don't have time to go there uh, in the whole story. But in Acts chapter 19, remember the, the seven sons of Sceva. Try to say that real fast a few times. The seven sons of Sceva, and uh, these are religious leaders, and they were just wanting to help. And they came upon a demon-possessed man, and so they they immediately said, "Listen to the language here." They said, "In in the name of Jesus," and listen to the language. "In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches." It wasn't just in the name of Jesus, because why? They didn't know Jesus personally in the name of jesus whom paul preaches they said come out and let me just tell you the demon didn't come out he actually came at them but before he came at them and tore them up the demon said this he looked at them and i'll tell you what if i'd have been one of the seven sons the moment that guy would have turned to look at me i said i've been ouch (laughs) i mean i'm gone because I'd have known in my heart, I don't know Jesus. Because listen, when you know Jesus, you know the power of Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, you're just quoting somebody. And they were just quoting Paul. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. When you know Jesus, you don't to say who preaches. You say, in the name of Jesus, come out. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be at peace. You don't have to say anything else. These guys did not know Jesus relationally. They had heard about him knew of him, maybe even believed in him, had knowledge, but did not know him. And that demon said in response, speaking of knowing, that demon said, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. And, but then the demon said, but who the heck are you? <laughs> I, again, if it had been me, right when said, I know, i like, I'm out of here. I don't know Jesus, I'm out, you know. And that demon tore them up because they did not know Jesus. When you don't know Jesus, you don't know who you are. You don't know the power that is there for you that comes from Jesus, that victorious power. Come on, somebody, that God wants us to walk in every day. Amen? Look, look, look at this right here on the screen. Uh, do, you, do, we, do, I, do we understand it's possible to know his name and do the right things, but not know him? Do we understand? We got to get this. It's not about head knowledge. Your Heavenly Father, let me just say this to us as we get ready to go into two points I want to give you to have that assurance that you know you're saved. Your Heavenly Father doesn't want His children, He doesn't want you and I to be guessing whether or not we're born again. Because a lot of Christians read this verse like, oh, I hope I'm saved. Man, I hope I'm saved. You don't have to hope you're saved, you can know you're saved. Man, I I hope I get to go to heaven. No, you don't have to hope you will get to go to heaven when you know Jesus. You don't have to live in the fear. Man, I hope he doesn't say that to me. I hope when I'm standing there, I hope he doesn't say, depart from me, I never knew you. You can know Jesus. And I would even say for some people in the room, today. Those who are watching us online, today. 6th and 7th graders downstairs, today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen? So you don't have to live in that fear of standing before the Lord and him saying, I never knew you. Depart from me. There is a way, notice my language and what I'm highlighting on. There is a way to be certain, somebody say certain, that we are saved. There's a way. I want to give you two of them real quick. This is the gospel. give you two points. I encourage you to write them down somewhere. Number one, how can I know I'm saved? Y'all still with me 11 a.m.? How can I know I'm saved? Number one, this is gospel right here. I am saved by grace through faith, not by my works. I am saved by grace. And what is grace? Who is grace? Grace is spelled like this, J-E-S-U-S. I'm saved by grace through faith, not my works. Now, um, let me just let me just pause. I know you're writing taking notes. Let me have everybody look up here just for a second. I want to just kind of get you on this for a moment. And just just give me the attention of your heart for a moment. We still got people coming in, so, but just stay focused up here. The Bible tells us that our, our life, my life, your life is precious. It, it it says things like here today, gone tomorrow. It it gives you the, uh, the picture of a morning fog that our lives it literally says our lives are like a morning fog. I think it's in James. It's here a little while and then just like a morning fog by mid-morning it's gone. And he gives us the picture of that's what life is like. Life life is a gift. Amen. It, it's a gift that we have and it's it just flies by. I can't believe this coming April we'll be celebrating 28 years of marriage. I can't believe my kids are almost all young adults. Now. life Yesterday, they were this small. I mean, it's, it's moving at Mach 10, and I cannot stop it. Here's what I, what I can do. I can live every day for his glory. That's the only thing. I can't control that, but I can live every day with intentionality for Jesus. Amen? We can do that together. Come on, somebody. All of us. Make the most of every opportunity because you only get a few. But here's what I want to say. And this is not going to happen in Jesus' name, but please allow me to use this just analogy. If you suddenly died today, and in that moment the Bible says you'll be in the presence of the Lord, and you're standing there with Jesus, and he asked you this question, why should I allow you into my kingdom? What would you say? What would you say? I, I'll give you a lot of popular examples. I've heard from young people, young adults, and adults of all ages just talking about this conversation through the years. I did my best, Jesus. I, I did my best to be a good person. I'm a good person. Jesus, I'm a good person. Or, or Jesus, I, I lived a decent life, and I didn't hurt anyone. So, you saw Jesus. Everybody's hurting everybody. I didn't hurt anybody. I always tried to help people. Jesus, I I have a good heart, and I've really tried to be kind and helpful to people. You saw what I did for that old lady that one time at the red light, Jesus. (laughs) Or this one. I've been in church all my life. My grandma was in church. My mama was in church. I'm in church. Lord, you saw me. I was in church all the time. Lord. Lord. You saw me in church. And I would just say those are the common statements that people would say when they're having that conversation with the Lord under his highlight, just mano a mano, Jesus and them. But every now and then I've heard it, and I've always like, you got the answer. When people say this, I believe that Jesus took my place and he died for me, and I have received him as my Lord and Savior of my life. That's the answer, church. That's the answer. Not so much the terminology, but that you know what Jesus did for you so that you can give yourself to Jesus. Jesus took our place so that we could have relationship with him today and be with him forever one day. That's how much he loved us. He didn't want any separation anymore. We can live for him today and be with him forever one day. And it's all about Jesus and his grace. Look right here. You know this. If you grew up in church at all, you've heard this verse. God saved you. Somebody say saved. God saved you by his, come on, what? His grace. grace. Nothing I did, nothing you did. When you, the only thing we did was we believed in it. We took our, we took our heart and said, God, it's yours. We believe. That word believe means to fully trust, to fully commit yourself, fully cling to, fully rely on. You get the picture. Believe is not just head knowledge. It's your whole heart. It's your life. That's why we use the word surrender. God saved you by his grace when you fully committed. See, that word is believe. Fully committed your life. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. Somebody say gift. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's it's all about his grace. And again, I said it. Grace is spelled J-E-S-U-S. We aren't saved by our works. We aren't saved by doing good things. If we were saved by good things and good works, then what we would think is, okay, I'm going to tip the scale. I'm going to do just good enough that my Father will let me in heaven. No, that would be us doing something. And it's just kind of coming to me now. I wish I thought about this in the nine, is that notice that they said, when Jesus, they, Lord, we prophesied, Lord, we did. They were saying what we did. Lord, I, I, I prophesied. I I I I was a church, so the tension is on I, it's on me, it's on we. We did, it's on what we did. It's actually what Jesus did on the cross. The finished work of Christ on the cross. It's nothing that you and I do. He just wants us to receive him and make him Lord of our hearts and our lives. Jesus did the work on the cross once and done. It is finished. Taking our sins upon himself. Come on, somebody. Dying in my place, in your place. So again, so we could experience the abundant life that he wants us to walk in today. An eternal life one day with him. We are saved by God's grace. Poured out on, on, on Jesus' perfect death, burial, and resurrection. For the forgiveness of my sins, your sins, the world's sins. If they will receive Jesus. And again, just to, to get us on the same page about grace. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And listen to me, when we were at our worst, God gave his best, and his best was his only son. His only begotten son, he gave his very all, Jesus. When we were at our worst, and that's why I spell out grace, it's J-E-S-U-S. It's all about Jesus. And we have to understand that. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. Look right here, great author and theologian. He says, to be a Christian, look at the language here, to be a Christian means that we rest our entire case, our whole salvation, our whole eternal destiny entirely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why he says, a true Christian says, Lord, Lord, it does not not just mean saying the right words. It indicates that we mean those words when we say them. We mean them. We're not just saying the talk We mean the words that we're saying. We mean the words that we're praying. We mean it. There are many people who say they they believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I I believe in God. But the question is not about what we just believe here. Do Do they actually believe the words that they're saying? Is it stuck here in their brain intellectually and not moved into their heart? Come on, relationally. It's important to believe that Jesus is God, but it can't stay that he's just God in your head. Yeah, Jesus was real. Jesus is God's son. It's Jesus also being invited in. Come on. He's standing at the door of our hearts knocking to be invited in. He's, he's paid the price. He just says, let me in. I want to be with you forever. The scriptures tell us that this, if we will believe, somebody say believe. Remember that word, commit totally, fully, all in, committed trust in that's what believe means. If we believe on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. But again, believing is multi layered. It's not just intellectual, it's not just informational. Because listen, the Bible tells us right here on the screen. I mean, even the demons believe in God. Look right here. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Look at look at look at James. He's getting kind of strong here. Good for you, exclamation Point. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Listen, did you know that the devil? This is going to make some of you like in your brain for a moment. Just stay with me. Did you know that the devil and his demons are excellent theologians? They know the scriptures. They are excellent theologians. Um, let me just give you a few things. Remember when the devil tempted Jesus? He was quoting scripture. Well, Jesus, you know what the word says. How about this? When Jesus would uh, deliver people from demons, a lot of times before they were delivered out, they would say, You are the Son, the Most High God. He'd tell them to shut up a lot. Shut up. (laughs) He didn't want to be revealed yet. But they were saying the truth. But listen, The demons, the devil, they know the truth. They have the information. They know what the Word says. But they rebelled a long time ago. The truth never got in their heart. They refused to believe, to commit and fully trust in Jesus. So they know the stuff. They know the Word. And it's the same with many people today, sadly. And it's because we don't take our beliefs past informational. Come on. Jesus died so we'd be relational. That we believe that he is Lord, but we never make him our Lord. That's the problem. We, we make it information. Oh, I believe Jesus. Oh, he's the son of, he's Lord. But the true thing of a Christian in accepting the Lord is making him Lord and King of our hearts. Right here, you know this verse, Romans 10? If you declare, somebody say Declare. There's there's your mouth. If you declare out loud, confess the words, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe. I think I've spelled what that means. And believe in your heart. You are fully convinced that you know God raised Jesus from the dead. He says you will, there's the promise, you will be what? Saved. Saved from what, Chris? Saved from hell forever. Saved from your sins that send us straight to eternal hell God, is Jesus is the Savior of the world if we will receive him and make him Lord. Believing in Jesus, is, it can't stay mental acknowledgement. It can't stay informational. we got to completely trust, amen, and surrender our lives to him. Remember this. Jesus, when he said, not everyone who says to me, will, uh, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven... And he says this, but the one who actually does the will of my Father. Remember when I read that earlier? Well, what what is the will of the Father? It's actually believing. It's that simple. Look, I want to give you, Jesus actually spelled it out in John chapter 6. He literally says the very words that he was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. For this is the will of my Father. Couldn't be more clear. That everyone who looks on the Son, he's talking about himself, and believes in him should have eternal life. And ra- and I will raise him up on the last day. Believe, fully commit, fully trust, fully rely on, rely on, cling to. Listen, the Father's will, this is so important that we get this. The Father's will is that our faith would never just stay informational, but it would move into deep trust. And a personal relationship with Jesus, and this is very important. But it doesn't even stay a personal relationship. Yeah, I have a personal. It affects every area of my life. If you have a real relationship with Jesus, it should affect every fabric of who you are, down to the DNA of who you are. I mean, in come on, what's the Bible say? In Him we live and we move and we have our very being. So listen to this: the person who places their faith and trust in Jesus and makes him Lord of their life, number one way, you know, that person is saved. You're saved if you put your trust and your life into his hands and make him Lord. Somebody say Lord. Bible says you are saved. Number two. Y'all still with me? Number two, this last one right here. Faith. Will produce works. So how do I how can I know I'm saved? Faith will produce works. Somebody's like, wait a minute, work? What what notice what it says there? Faith will produce works. This is very important because many people confuse what the gospel requires with what the gospel produces. The gospel requires that you make a decision inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life, to put your trust in Him, and you give, I give my life to Him. The gospel produces, listen to me, an evidence of your faith, which we call obedience. Obedience. The gospel produces that evidence, that fruit that comes from you living for God. Let me just say it to you like this if you are truly born again in the room or watching us online, if you are truly born again, your life will show it. Come on, 11 a.m. Anybody remember show and tell when you were a kid? Notice that show is before the tell. What what does it say right here? Look right on James, it says this, chapter 2, 14 and 17. What good is it, dear? Maybe write that down and go read the whole chapter. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? He's talking about the church here. If you say you have faith, but don't, come on, read it with me, but but don't show it by your actions. Come on, why? Our actions speak much louder than our words. You don't have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? The answer is no. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless, come on, it produces good deeds. And if it doesn't, the Bible says here, it's dead and it's useless. If our faith doesn't produce, it's not a Christ faith, it's religion. It's being religious. Listen, we got to get this. My works don't save me, but if I'm saved, I'm going to do good works. My works do not save me, but if I'm born again and Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm going to do good works. Amen? Because the more I become like Christ, the more Christ is going to come out of me. The good works. If you're saved and born again, truly born again in the room, that's what we call a Christ follower. Your life is going be to reflect it's going to reflect Jesus so a couple questions on this y'all still with me can so can a Christian sin absolutely absolutely guilty as charged yes we'll lose our temper we will get in arguments we will stress fret worry all kinds. I could just go down the road where where we sin but here's the question but can a Christian continue to live in sin unrepentant? No. No. Because those who are followers of Christ in the room and watching us online, those who are followers of Christ, when you sin, here's my question: what do you feel? I feel conviction, grief, remorse, hello, sorrow, Bible calls it godly sorrow. I don't know about you, I'm just going to tell them myself, I feel totally miserable. Like, mm, I mean, I just feel, I feel yucky inside. I'm not talking about sick yucky. I just feel like, man, no, no, I need to confess this. I'll tell you what happened to me, guys, yesterday. So yesterday, I'm working on the message. Lisa comes in and tells me something. I don't know why this always happens to me. I'm just telling on myself, all right? But she comes in, I'm doing the work of the Lord <laughs> on my laptop getting this thing ready. I'm feeling the weight of this message. I'm losing sleep over. Oh, God, help me. And she comes in and tells me a couple of problems. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to deal with that right now. And she just walks out of the room. And I'm telling you, you can only know this, maybe professor, teacher, whatever. I was in the zone, man. I was just flowing. And when she walked out of the room, I went to my laptop and I was like, I got nothing. <laughs> like it was gone. And the Lord didn't say it, but literally, I mean, it, th- there was nothing. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, like, ain't nothing going to come now until you go downstairs and repent to your wife. <laughs> down the stairs. I just sat my butt down. I said, babe, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's frustrating, but I'm, I'm sorry. I repent. And, uh, and, you know, just made sure that with me and her, we were good. And, uh, and it wasn't right. You know, I just, reacted, hello, poorly, and I went back upstairs and, do, 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 do. I mean, it's a Gosh. of God. Come on, come on. So why do we feel, why did I feel that? Because the Holy, why do we feel godly sorrow? Why do we feel almost sick inside when we sin, when we look at something we shouldn't look at, when we, whatever it is we do, when we lie or exaggerate, why do we feel that sin that almost inside, like, oh man, it's because the Holy Spirit's inside of us. And that has no place in our life. And so we got to be quick to repent to God or to whoever else. But if you're here today and you knowingly commit sin and you feel no conviction, you feel no sorrow, you never repent, the question would be, are you really saved? Because if you feel no conviction at all now, you can become numb. You can become numb and be a Christian. And you got to go there with God about that. Your heart can become hard. But what I'm saying is if you never repent, you never feel the conviction, you never feel any sorrow at all, and you just keep going with no repentance at all, the question would be, am I a Christian? Jesus said like this, Luke 6, 45, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Listen, it's not just this, I say this prayer one time and I just go on with my life. It's, it's, you can't just go on with your life, but I'm crucified with Christ. Chris no longer lives. You no longer live. It's not just saying a little prayer to feel good, to have your security ticket to go to heaven that, that don't work. It's about inviting Jesus to be your Lord of your life. Or how about this? Do I bow the knee of my heart and surrender my life to Jesus? Cause I want to tell you this, Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for followers. He's looking for followers. Christ Followers. And I just want to throw a few things out to you, speaking of just giving you a picture of my spiritual heart and what ours need to be. I want to give you just some examples of what I see happening in the world today. As a Christ follower, when God speaks about sexuality and sexual sin in his word, I bow my knee. No matter what I think, no matter what the world tells me, I bow my knee in submission to Jesus. When God speaks to me about money and idolatry, especially up here in the burbs where all the, everything's going on, I bow my knee to Jesus, not to money. When God speaks to me, you, about offense and people hurt you and did this and that, whatever, all the stuff that the enemy kind of throws up in our brain, I bow my knee and I forgive. I choose to forgive and release them and I bless them. I bow my knee. When God speaks about loving my neighbor, I bow my knee. Regardless of the color of the skin of my neighbor, I bow my knee and I love them like Jesus loves me. I bow my knee. And listen, because Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I bow my knee. We bow our knees in full submission to him. A Christian's not going to do it perfectly. We're going we're to fall all the time. I know I do. What does the Bible say about falling? If you're a righteous man, you're going to get back up. By the grace of God, by the strength of God, and keep moving forward. But when I fall, it's what I told somebody the other day, when you fall, just fall forward. Fall forward and know this. As you submit yourself to Jesus, every day we're becoming a little bit more like Jesus. Right. Right. Less a Chris, chisel away, chisel away. Less a Chris, more of Christ. He's the potter, I'm the clay. Amen? Amen. Right. When you find someone, when you find someone whose faith in Jesus is producing good works for Jesus, listen to this, when you find someone whose faith in Jesus is producing good works for Jesus, that person is saved. That person is saved. As we get ready to close out, I wanted to say this to to us, and we're going to pray. And it's very important that every Christ follower really get this truth today and understand the power of this truth. To be secure in your salvation and in your Savior. Be secure. Somebody say secure. secure. What do I mean by that? That your sin and my sin is not stronger than his salvation. My sin... What we're talking about is not stronger than God's salvation for my life. So that means if you messed up this past week, just like I shared with you about what happened to me and Lisa yesterday. That was all me, by the way. But what happened to us yesterday. The fact of the matter is I'm still born again. I just need to repent. If you lose your temper and you yell at your kids or you yell at somebody, you don't have to get resaved again. You just need to repent to whoever you yelled at. You didn't lose Jesus. You lost your temper, and you need to just repent and make things right. We don't have to get resaved over and over again. You don't have to raise your hand every week just because you had a bad week. We just need to repent. Amen? You don't have to get resaved. You don't have to recommit your life to Jesus every single week just because you had a rough week. What we just need to learn is the act of repentance and get right with God. Amen? Amen. And I get it, I get it. We fight the guilt of condemnation, which is not from God. We fight the conviction, just gnawing at us like Holy Spirit's like, you gotta get this right. And you can come in here on a Sunday and you're like, man, my walk with Christ is just, it's not where it needs to be. Can I just tell you, Jesus loves you? He loves you. And I'll just say this as we get ready to close you got to know that Jesus' blood is enough and it isn't so weak and your sin so strong that you lose your salvation one week because you messed up. Say it to you like this. Jesus said this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Come on, Jesus has got a kung fu grip. I'm telling you, he ain't going to let you go. He will chase you down and not let you go. No one will snatch you from Jesus' hands. He's holding on to you today with his everlasting arms, and he will not let you go. If you're in the room today or watching us online and you are struggling in your walk with Christ, you're doing things that you know you shouldn't do, it's time to repent and receive his beautiful forgiveness and start pursuing Jesus with all your heart. Amen. If you've confessed Jesus as your Lord, surrendered your life to him, yes, you're going to have up, downs, and all around. In this life, it's a journey, but the Holy Spirit, there's evidence in your life. Listen, you're saved. Don't let the enemy come in just because you had a rough week and like, yeah, you're not really a Christian. Jesus is bigger than that. Be secure in your salvation and be secure in Jesus. Amen. We're going to pray. I'll just ask right now in this moment, if your head bowed, eye closed, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting on? Man, He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. Today's the day. If you're not sure, now's the time to be sure. If you don't remember a time, today can be that day. You just grew up in church, but just never really made that decision and gave Jesus your heart today is a day and if you've been running from God for a long time that's what recommitment is about you've been habitually running from God for a long time like my old life years and years ago then you recommit your life to Christ so if you're here today in this moment right now and you need to surrender your life to Jesus to make him Lord of your life or maybe you're here and you need to, you've known him, but you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Can I just say you're in a safe moment. This is a safe space. But if you're here today and you want to make Jesus your Lord of your life, can I just ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my heart to Jesus. All across this room. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, would you raise your hand high so I can see you? For the Lord. Yeah, all across the room. Today. Today, I want to come to Jesus. Today, I need to make Jesus Lord. Today. Today. I want to give Jesus my heart. Today, I need to recommit my life. Thank you, Father. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You came from heaven, died on the cross, rose from the dead. And you gave me victory and eternal life. And so I repent of my sins and I place my life I surrender, Lord, into your hands. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Come on, help me be all that you call me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.